Hello and welcome to episode 1192 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, June 30th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, it's almost July and I hate it. How's it going? Why do you hate it? It's like... Because it means stupid football is about to take over and... Even though it's not true, even though this is not true, this is an irrational feeling I get every single year. Even though I don't even think most teams have played 81. In fact, this weekend I think is the crossover for a lot of teams to the 81. It feels like the season is way more than half over. Mm -hmm. It just feels that way. It's just a feeling I get every late June, early July. I get this like pit in my stomach where I'm like, oh no, it's already gone. And you know what I think it is? It's that our limelight goes away because fantasy football is going to take over everything soon. And, you know, people that aren't competing will start to shift over there. I don't know. It's just a feeling I get. Uh, There's still tons of baseball left. There's still the draft. There's still the all-star break coming up. There's the deadline. There's the pennant race. Then of course there's the playoffs. There's tons. It just feels that way though. And I hate it. So Uh, that's why, that's why I hate this time of year. Yeah, I get that. Uh, you know, I'm still riding high. Team's still doing well, so I'm, you know, I'm still excited. Uh, I know there's. I, I'm trying to like like think of it as like there's still a ton of baseball left to play. Um, so that way I don't like start like cashing checks that I actually haven't been issued yet. So, um, you know, it's and that's uh, smart. Uh, man, I love this time of year. All star break. I'm I'm going on vacation. I get a week off from writing. So you know, very nice. Yeah. See, but I, I like I like the grind of like the early season, and mm. so we lose that, you know. But like I said, there's still tons of baseball left, and if and we say this a lot, but if you're still grinding in your league, you should still be pushing hard. Lots of things can change, and I know. Again, we say this probably every year around this time. There are teams in last or damn near the bottom that will win their leagues. Obviously, it depends how your standings are stratified or, you know, what the head-to-head rules are for you to get in the playoffs if you're down that low. It won't happen in every league, but you need to do a full assessment of your team to really see what points you can get, the players you've got, before you just pack it in because you have a double-digit league standing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting in 10th. I actually feel good about where I'm at because I spent so much time in, in 15th to start my main event. Uh, because I got three teams really close in front of me for a few points, then all of a sudden I'm sitting in seventh, and then from seventh I can see the money at that point. So um, we got plenty to talk about, though. Interestingly, I didn't. I don't see a bunch of news. Um, I don't know about you. I got to be honest. Listen, mm-hmm. I talked about it offline. I don't think we mentioned it on the air last time, but NBC, please go back. Please go back. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I'm sorry. I don't like it at all. I don't think it's good. Roto World, NBC Sports Edge. I, I, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't think what they've done is good in any way, shape, or form with the new setup. I'm sorry. Um, I'll leave it at that. But, yeah, I, even though that, that is usually my go-to to kind of get the headlines and then I check RotoWire, check other sites, I'm not seeing anything crazy. So we're diving right in. We're diving right into some SPs who are moving up. And these are guys that, um, you know, one of the guys is a big guy coming into the season, you know, but he started to lose some of his shine. Maybe he's getting it back. The other three are guys that are on the rise this year, and I really want to see where you're at on them uh, for the next, you know, four to six weeks. Then I want to talk some young catchers. We've hinted at 
how deep the catcher pool has gotten with some of the, the infusion of talent. I want to see where you're at with those guys. Then three up, three down. And then we'll talk about some key week 15 two-step guys. But let's start with a guy who is not only topical for the SPs moving up, but because he pitched last night, and that is Brian Bayo. Think back. It wasn't too long ago, even though in my brain it was light years ago, to that marathon day game. Mm-hmm. Weather was disgusting. I know I, I would, I could not imagine having to be a pro. I'm, I'm a little baby, of course. Uh, that's probably why I never would have made it to the pros. But to, to have to pitch in freezing cold weather with my body type, I'm, well, I'm I'll be blown off the mound. Uh, Bayo didn't like it much either. He throws two and two thirds, eight hits, five runs. That was rain short, or that was rain delayed. I don't think it was rain short. I think it was rain delayed. So he was out early, even though I don't think he was going to stick around even without the weather. It's like, what's going on with Bayo? Of course, because we are the way we are in fantasy, people made snap judgments. You started to see him pop up on waiver wires pretty quickly after being added. And uh, hopefully you held on because in the 70 subsequent innings, Brian Bayo has a 256 ERA, Justin, including his third straight, excuse me, his third in four starts of seven innings. So he's gone seven, seven, six and two thirds, seven in his last four, allowing two, one, one and one. Bottom line, Brian Bale has been excellent since the Marathon Day game. He's hitting another level here in June. Is Brian Bale a must-start all-formats guy right now? I think he kind of is. Uh, I mean, this is a former kind of top pitching prospect uh, that people are really excited about, including myself. And, I mean, last night's uh, outing was – was he was just fantastic. Um, you know, the – the slider was great. Uh, you know, he has been doing a great job of kind of peppering the zone and getting swings outside of it. Uh, he has not given up a home run in his last six starts. Uh, in those last six starts, he's only given up more than two walks in an outing once. Uh, you know, walks and walks have been an issue for him in the past, and the fact that he's keeping guys off of base uh, via free pass and not giving up any home runs in these last six outings is really, really exciting. Uh, yeah, I think he is kind of a must-start, and he's still 40% unrostered in Yahoo. Like, I mean, How? I got – because, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of people, like, they get kind of blinders on, and uh, and, and they don't want to drop guys, right? Like, we, we've talked about this, like – you know, That's the tough part. You know, you don't want to drop your Kyle Bradish. You don't want to drop, uh, you know, mm-hmm. your your JP France. Your, but Talk like about him um, on the two steps. Yeah, I mean, I think he should be rostered in just about every format. Yeah, and you know, I think you really hit on a key point there because you have Bayo being fifty eight percent rostered at Yahoo. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And it does be kind of become kind of that crush of like, well, you can only roster so many guys in a twelve teamer. That said. For Bayo specifically, I still think that's coming in too light, even acknowledging that phenomenon of like it is hard to kind of cut guys because he's the 44th ranked starting pitcher right now. So even in a 12-teamer, even in a 10-teamer, right? In a 10, you're talking what? Six, we'll call it six and a half starters per team just for the average. So then you're talking about 65 starters in the lineups plus reserves. That's room for Bayo everywhere. 
So that's a low number. I think people need to go out and get him, and he does happen to have a two-step next week. Obviously, we're going to be in on it, but I will mention that it is Texas-Oakland, both at home. You get the one-up, one-down. You don't love mm-hmm. facing Texas, but there isn't a matchup I'm running from with Bayo right now. And then, of course, you get Oakland later, hopefully to add to the week, but probably to cancel out maybe a little bit of trouble against Texas. Although, no, nobody's getting to him right now. And uh, he's played plenty of good teams in these last 12 starts for Bayo. So maybe he has two good starts. I don't want to just assume that he's going to struggle against Texas. But if he is a little bit bumpy against them, I wouldn't be that worried about it. This certainly isn't a situation with Brian Bayo where one bad start is going to make me turn on him. He would get more grace than that. So even if the Texas start sucks and he has to bounce back against Oakland, don't panic there. Uh, Brian Bayo's been excellent. Let's talk about the the established guy who's kind of building himself back up. That's Shane Bieber. Now, you you know I've been in on Shane Bieber all year. Uh, Really liked him as kind of a cheaper ace. Thought that he was, uh, you know, kind of being overlooked. I understood the concerns from last year with the velo dropping, but there were still some pretty strong results. Well, then this year started, and it's like, okay. I can I I can handle a 25% K rate. That's that's fine even though that's down from how good he had been previously with the 30s and even a uh, 41% mark in the COVID season for Bieber. But I don't know about sub 20% K rate and these paltry swinging strike rates that uh, that Bieber was putting up. That part was a little bit tough. That said, the ratios continued to be great, so it was really difficult to sit him, but I understood why people were were softening on on Bieber lately. Well, he's starting to turn the corner again, and now we've seen eight-plus strikeouts in three of his last four outings. Uh, Like I said, the ratios are already there, 348 ERA, 119 whip, a little bit higher than you expect from Bieber, but things are kind of coming together for him. He leads the league in innings as well. Where are you currently standing on Bieber? Because I know you weren't loving him coming into the year. He is kind of in that fringe, you know, great number two type guy. Do you see him as a as a bankable asset for the front end of a fantasy rotation, Shane Bieber? I mean, I still see him as kind of a bankable number two, but just on the lower end. Uh, so I, you, don't, I think, you don't bench him anywhere, ever? No, no. I mean, I, I did advocate, and I still kind of do advocate selling high on him if you can. Like, if, if you can get, uh, you know, a top 40 hitter, uh, you know, I'm probably taking that deal, especially if your pitching is already uh, pretty good. Uh, but I also understand being most people are in the position where it's like, hey, that's my best starter. And like, yeah. I, you know, especially if you've had some injuries uh, or some underperformances somewhere else. So you may not be able to, you know, want to trade him uh, because you're, you know, you don't have would enough you, strength in, in your rotation. Would you take Jake Frankly? 11 homers, no, 12 steals in 64 no. games with a 272. Why not? I like Fraley, but like I don't I don't I don't buy him as like a top 40 hitter rest of the way. I think you might be underselling him. Um, you know, 272 average, 11 homers, 12 steals in 64 games. You know, missed a little bit of time there. Uh he ranks as the I don't have hitters only. I got the full the full sheet here. It's 73rd amongst all players so far this year that's with the missed time too yeah so i mean i think he is kind of up there um let me see where he ranks he's he's the 21st outfielder that's pretty good that's in between soto and nimmo or excuse me springer and nimmo 
Santander's below him, um, right around Trout. So I actually think that that might not be too bad if you were looking to make a trade. Um, that's two guys I really like there, so that's kind of a uh, can't-go-wrong type of deal as far as I'm concerned. I do believe in Fraley. I believe he's a power-speed guy on a great team, in a great, on a great, in a great lineup, I should say, not a great team. Great lineup, great park. I would make that move if I was looking to move Beaver. That said, I'm not necessarily looking to move Beaver personally, but if you if, if you got Bayo, if you've got our next guy Brian Wu, uh, you know you've picked up some pitching as things have gone, and you are less reliant on Bieber, then yeah, I flip him because I don't think Bayo or Wu or our next guy we're going to talk about they're not going to bring as much juice in the market. Bieber will. So if I want to get that cornerstone hitter. I think you move Bieber and you keep your Bayos and your Woos. But let's talk about Brian Wu because he's another guy that if you made the snap judgment based on his first start, you done messed up, A.A. Ron, because uh, he got smoked by Texas. And then here he is just absolutely dominating now. And we talked about him a couple weeks ago uh, in the pickups. Since then, four starts without allowing more than two earned in any of the five total earned runs in the four starts with 28 Ks and 20 and two thirds. Now he's basically a five and dive. It's been four and two thirds, five and two thirds, five and a third, five. So added up, it's almost exactly five, five and dive. But with results like this, it's hard to be that upset about it. What do you, where do you stand with Brian Wu right now as a reliable fantasy arm? Is he a must form uh, in all formats? must roster guy maybe not a must start what do you stand on brian Wu? yeah i don't i don't think brian Wu is a must start necessarily because i do must roster though i think a must roster i think he should be rostered in just about every format um he's been really impressive there are like warning signs though of like hey is the control really there every game is the command there real uh uh there every game no um, and I think that that will come back to bite him with some pretty bad starts at times. And this is why I don't think he is a must start when, you know, if he's going up against Texas, not risking that going up against the angels, not risking that. But I think, you know, your middle teams, your bad teams, I think he becomes a must start, uh, in those kind of matchups, especially in that home park, which is so nice to uh, pitch in. So I got a I, tough one for you. Yeah. At San Francisco, at Houston next week. It's a two-step. They're both like your Giants are playing way better, and I know Houston is is. I think I'm doing not that. terrifying, but they've still got premium hitters in there. It's just not a great lineup all told right now. I think I'm doing it too. Are you doing it? Twelves, yeah. Fifteens mm-hmm. automatic. The ten teamers. What I'm asking for Brian Wu. Do you do you fit that double dip into your rotation next week at San Francisco at Houston with, with in a ten teamer? I mean, I, it, it would really. Or are you open? Teamed. Let's just say I'm open how open to, to you are. Because yeah, I can't say for sure you would because in a ten teamer you could have literally twelve options. You know, depending mm-hmm. on how you're stacking your pitching and what your waiver wire looks like. But how how much are you considering Wu in a ten teamer? Like you you would co-sign starting him. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I would start him over like a Lance Lynn or um, you know who. And that's saying a lot for you. Yeah, I I thank God I didn't start Lynn this week. So. Uh, Could, couldn't against the Angels, right? Just no. Too, too scary. No, not after he gave up so many home runs the first time against the Angels. I wasn't risking that again. So uh, yeah, no, I, I love what Wu's been doing. I am. There is watching him pitch, you see like the upside and the downside, right? Because you see him get those strikeouts. 
Uh, you know, you got seven against the Nationals, who we've talked about all season long yeah. as a team that just does not strike out very much. Uh, but you also see times where, like, he has very little idea of where the ball is going. Um, and that can be inside or outside the zone. Uh, and you do wonder, like, okay, at some point teams are, you know, teams are going to have, like, a hit parade. Um, and it's it's not going to be solo shots to give it up. So I, I do worry about that. Uh, but ultimately, the results have been good enough where I think you, you've got to roll with him most of the time. Yeah, I think so too. Brian Wu in Seattle looking good. Widely available to 29% at Yahoo. That one makes a little bit more sense than the Brian Bayo one. Bayo's been doing it since that first outing. It's been four starts for Wu. I don't think he's just like, uh, holy crap, how do you not roster him in a in a shower mix league? But you should be considering him. And then our last guy is Dane Dunning. And it is admittedly going to be difficult to talk him up too hard for deeper leagues, but Every time I write this guy up, you know, every fifth day in the SP chart, I'm like, listen, folks, I know the skills are not sexy. I know it's a 10% strikeout minus walk. There's just something about Dane Dunning that I've liked from day one. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a Dane Dunning guy. I put my bias on the table. I like him. I can't really explain why he is so much better than these skills. Um, I'm not sure that it's 100%. You know, it's not set it and forget it or anything, even in a 15-teamer for Dane Dunning. But I love what he's able to do, man, and he, he's cooking right now, especially with this team support. You take, even if you push his ratios back up, which 269 ERA, one on, uh, 110 whip, those aren't going to hold all year. But even if you're talking like high threes with like a 120 whip, the support for the team could still keep the wins coming. They're they're cooking right now. He's 7-1 with that 269 ERA, 110 whip. 51 Ks in 80 innings, though, for Dane Dunning is probably the tough part. That said, 10 Ks last time out. Leave it to the Tigers to get your to get your strikeout rate going. He had, let's see, that's eight, nine. He had nine combined strikeouts in his four starts uh, in June prior to that. So he he more than doubled his strikeout total in one start against the Tigers. So strikeouts are just not part of Dane Dunning's game, but success is. And he hasn't allowed more than four in any start this year. I'm buying in deeps. Uh, 15 plus i'm buying in 12s i'm more fringy still team streamer maybe even standard streamer in 10s but where do you currently stand with dane dunning are you getting there in 12s is he appealing at all in 10s <laughs> i mean here's the thing like i know regression is coming right like um but Maybe the regression is not going to be as bad as I think a lot of us in the industry have made it out to be. Like, he's done a really, really good job of not allowing a ton of home runs. He's given up five on the year, but three came in one game. Yeah. Um, you know, he's only had two starts the entire season with more than two walks in it. So he's peppering the zone, getting weak contact, making guys roll over on things. Um, not giving away free bases. Yeah, I do think that like he's getting lucky and the numbers all bear that out. But I mean, guys like Merrill Kelly and Miles Mikolas have made a career on this profile and always beat their projected stats. Right? Mm -hmm. They've always beat their Sierra. They've always beat their X ERAs. Um, and I think this is just a failure of projection systems to kind of completely value these guys properly um i do think that the lack of strikeouts makes them more difficult to roster 
intense, but especially when you've got that offense behind you, you're, yeah. they're going to score a lot of runs. So, like, he could have some six-run, uh, like, earned run wins. outings and still get wins. So, yeah. I, I think Dunning should be rostered in probably more leagues than he is, but I understand why he's not. No, I, I totally get why he's not. Again, those Ks are tough, and you do have to have more Ks to compete in the shell or leagues because the, the you know replacement value is certainly higher. But that said, I do think there is some uh, spot starting potential here for Dane Dunning. He's 61% rostered at Yahoo, which means, for those uh, paying attention to the numbers here, Three points higher than Brian Bayo, and I love Dunning. Uh, you know, I'm just got done gassing him up here. Ain't no way he should be higher than Brian Bayo's roster rate. And even though it's only three points, Bayo should have him by like 20 points right now. So I do like Dunning. Again, 15s easy, 12s yeah, 10s I'm considering. What about next week at Boston at Washington? I mean, I think you have to at this point. Like, I think you just have to keep, like close your eyes and roll them out mostly. It's D- Dunning or Wu. Again, Wu. reminder on Wu, it's at San Fran at Houston. Uh, me too, yeah. because the K upside is richer. Yeah, but, uh, I agree. But you can look at Dunning. And I think you could look at Dunning as a spot start next week in a 10 if you're, if you're looking for something and you're not going to be too far. You're not going to be making a terrible decision, I don't think. So I really like Dane Dunning. Uh, we'll see how long the numbers continue to hold for him because he's been really, really interesting. Let's talk some catchers. We've we've talked about these guys, uh, some of these guys recently because there was a big flurry of them that kind of came up all at once. And we're seeing some rookie catchers play pretty well this year, which is interesting. I'm usually out on rookie catchers. They're not mm-hmm. usually a great investment. Um, I stand by that as a general principle. But that's more about drafting them, too. Um, and even there, I make exceptions. Like I was in on the Adley train this year because I just mm-hmm. think he's he's generational. You know, he's he's a Buster Posey type. Um, but these guys getting picked up off the waiver wire, that's a lot different than spending a big pick on them. And let's start with Francisco Alvarez. He's probably been the best of the bunch. He has 12 homers on the year. That power is really showing out. He is hitting 217 with with the power, though. Um, there's always a lower threshold that you can take for batting average at catcher if you're getting enough heat elsewhere. 12 homers is probably enough heat elsewhere to take that on. But is Francisco Alvarez still a one-catcher option, a one-catcher league guy that you are not questioning your... your um, uh, starting every day. I don't think he is. I think with the influx of other talent that, uh, and the fact that the Mets are like such a poorly run and managed organization. <laughs> did you see them pinch hit from Brett, uh, for Brett Beatty by, uh, they put Danny Mendek in after Beatty had hit a fucking home run. Like, What's going on there, man? Listen, I I think I said the same thing last year, so maybe I'll just stop pushing back on it. But, like, I kind of laugh at the Mets are going to Mets. Stop, you know, it, it gets tired. But it happens every year. It, it is right. Mets are going to Mets. I, mean, I had to put like LOL that. Mets in my article this morning. Like, yeah, the old wall Mets mm-hmm. and Mets going to Mets are, like, classics that, again, sometimes I'm like, okay, I got it. But, no, no, it's valid every year. It's va- like it's valid. It's unbelievable. Uh, but with Alvarez, he is you know tied for the third most homers at catcher behind Perez, Murphy, and tied with Will Smith. But that two seventeen average, I mean that's that's really yeah. tough, tough to go for. 
Um, and I just I think some of these guys that we're going to talk about here that are available in one catcher leagues might be better options. And I wonder if people are kind of overholding Alvarez in one catcher formats. Yeah, because I mean, here's the thing. One of the things that was really attractive about Alvarez when he was coming up was the idea that, hey, I don't think he's necessarily going to catch like he's going to play yeah. at DH, you know, especially on the days he's not catching. He's not doing that. He's DH two days. They love Daniel Vogelbach, where Vogelbach has some sort of blackmail on their manager. Like, I don't get what's going on that Vogelbach needs to be in the lineup every day um, or every day against uh, right-handed pitching. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think, I think at this point, like, there are other options in, like, 10-team and 12-team one-catcher leagues that you should be exploring. What's uh, that's Unless you really need power, because I mean, I think he's probably the best power guy. Of, of, At least of these five that we're going to yeah. talk about. Um, but this next guy, kind of a good transition from what you said about non-catching catcher. You know how much we go crazy for those. You know, your Dalton Varshows, your Evan Gaddises from back in the day. Non-catching catchers can be so valuable. Again, to reiterate, is because they don't get the nicks and bruises of catching. In fact, you can get way more than nicks and bruises. You can get some serious injuries back there, and you don't need as many off days. And so that leads us to Henry Davis out in Pittsburgh, who is catcher eligible everywhere, but my dude does not catch. Uh, he's playing right field every dang day, and that's that's fantastic for the fantasy folks. Now, it's going to be a bummer that you know he might not qualify at catcher next year or, I don't know, ever again. Like, Is this yeah. something that they're just like done catching him? But for this year, for the here and now, let's focus on the present. He's hitting 351, 415, 486 in his first 41 plate appearances. Henry Davis is with a homer and two steals, and he got caught one. So he's running a good bit as a full-time right fielder batting third in Pittsburgh. Is Henry Davis better than Francisco Alvarez uh, for the here and now, for the next, say, four to six weeks for you? Uh, I mean, I think if your team needs more batting average or needs some stolen bases. Like, yeah, if you don't have yeah. to account for needs, right? Because if you need speed, then yes, go for Davis because even his trickle steals will be better than anything Alvarez can get. But if needs are just flat, you just need offense, you need a good catcher, do you go Davis or Alvarez? Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty close. I think Davis is kind of on the the borderline of being a top 12 catcher rest of the season. I don't know that he's guaranteed. I know he's running super hot right now, but he's got yeah. a 462 BABIP. Like the batting average, yeah, the batting average is coming down to like the 250 260 area, which is still pretty darn good for a catcher and yeah. there is some pop. He's going to play every day. Uh, there's definitely some speed. Uh, the, there is a, maybe a little question about how that pop's going to play in that ballpark, especially if he's going to have like a 50-plus percent ground ball rate. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a really good sell-high point for Henry Davis, especially in dynasty leagues where maybe you're not competing, because, and that's why you had Davis to begin with, because he's you know, you're kind of in a rebuild. Now is the time to sell Henry Davis in dynasty because he is not going to be catcher eligible next year. That really will lower his value. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can probably get, considering how he started and the fact he's catcher eligible, you probably get a lot from a contender. Yeah. If they need, if, if somebody competing needs a catcher, particularly in a two catcher format, you could trade Henry Davis, sell this guy who's not catching, who's playing every day in the outfield. But I agree, you do want to get out from. Davis in the future here in, in the keepers and dynasty because 
again, it might be next year that he's just done. Like, he, he hasn't caught once. This isn't like a he's playing right field regularly while catching. All outfield and DH for Henry Davis. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, that's great in the here and now. Stinks as far as him being catcher eligible for the future. I agree with you. I, I, I still probably lean toward Alvarez, but it's closer than I would have thought it was, you know, before Henry Davis got called up. Remember, before Henry Davis got called up, we were all targeting Andy Rodriguez as the Pittsburgh catcher prospect of note. And so everyone's like, oh, how did Henry Davis leapfrogging? Well, because he's not playing catcher. And I think that's really how it happened is because they're happy with what they've got behind the dish in Jason DeLay and Austin Hedges. And so they didn't need an actual catcher. And that's why Andy Rodriguez got leapfrogged. Although he himself can play outside of catcher. He also isn't doing much at AAA, by the way. Uh, Henry, uh, excuse me, Andy, Andy Rodriguez. He has an 85 WRC plus. Yeah. Um, a guy we have talked about a couple times, but I want to hit on again because he just keeps collecting hits is Yiner Diaz. My guy, dude. Love this guy. And staying on the theme of non-catching catchers, uh, our guy Yiner Diaz became a focus player because when Jordan Alvarez got hurt. That opened up the DH spot for Diaz to get more burn, and it has really helped him become damn near an everyday player. Now, he does still get sprinkles of catching, unlike Henry Davis, but DH keeps him in the lineup consistently, and now we're looking at seven homers, a 275, 287, 500 slash line. Don't love the 287 OBP. Obviously, that's terrible. 2% walk rate will do that, but everything else is looking really strong here for Yiner Diaz. How does he rate with the Alvarez and Davis, uh, Davises of the world here, Yiner Diaz in Houston? I mean, I think he's above them. Uh, I, I do worry that uh, at some point, Jordan Alvarez is going to be coming back, and it, where are they going to put Diaz? Like, somewhere if he's hitting like this somewhere yeah i think they're gonna have to figure something out because his bat has been too darn good for him what's to... that what's alvarez's timetable i know i saw him doing field work um okay so yeah hit off a tee took soft toss on wednesday which was wednesday of this week uh no exact timetable mid-july seems like a reasonable target if you avoid setbacks so you know after the break uh, but for now don't worry about that, right? Like you, yeah. Don't worry about when Diaz isn't going to be available, especially in two catcher leagues, because even sporadic playing time in two catcher, he could still be worth mm -hmm. worthwhile. Diaz could. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think he is uh, clearly at this moment a top twelve uh, catcher Fully in agree. fantasy, and so like I think in one catcher or twelve team one catcher leagues, you should. You know, someone should be rostering it. Maybe not your team, but mm -hmm. somebody should be rostering it for sure. Now let's do a little. Uh, actually, I'll wait till the end here, and then we'll start talking about maybe cutting some guys. Let's go to your Giants. Patrick Bailey is the Joey Bart era officially over? Has Patrick Bailey fully usurped yes. him? He has hit the ground running here in 119 plate appearances, four homers, a 324 average. Yes, there's a 416 BABIP, so the average will come down. Uh, but 23 ribbies, 12 runs. Patrick Bailey's looking great right now. How good is the switch hitting catcher, Patrick Bailey? Oh, he is really, really good. And not just as like a hitter, but just as a catcher in general. He's got like one of the best pop times in baseball. Uh, he, you know, he's got really good footwork behind the plate, knows how to frame really well. Uh, this is everything we wanted Joey Bart to be. Uh, and he, he's been fan. When they drafted, 
Bailey. I was like, what are you guys doing? You just drafted Joey Bart, um, and he's supposed to be the next big thing. Uh, but, man, they they clearly loved his bat and, uh, and his ability behind the plate, and it's really shown at the major league level. Uh, he can do exactly what Joey Bart can't do, which is hit something that's not a fastball. Um, which is an important thing to do if you want to be a good major league player. That is a worthy skill. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I don't. I think he's going to be very Buster Posey ish too. Um, like he's not going to be a guy that isn't going to have like any particular stat that like lights up on the score sheet, except for batting average. But I think because the Giants will play him sometimes at DH. I mean, Jock Peterson was out and left last night because uh, Conforto was down. Like, Bailey's going to find his way into the lineup fairly regularly, and that batting average from the catcher is, you know, is really, really valuable, especially when it's over 300. So, um, yeah, I, I like Patrick Bailey. I would put him right below Diaz, I think, okay, uh, so going- moving forward. Currently, you're at Diaz, Bailey, Alvarez, Davis? Yes. Diaz, Bailey, Alvarez, Davis. Okay, okay. And then our last guy, I think we're jumping a a bit deeper here um, to where he's maybe not too catcher eligible because Freddie Furman over in Kansas City is just a backup catcher right now. Um, I mean, they have a couple guys there with MJ Melendez and Sal Perez, although... Melendez is in full Henry Davis mode. Yeah. He does not catch anymore either. He is catcher eligible, so that's great, uh, but he doesn't catch. So it is just Perez and Furman, and Furman doesn't play a ton, but let's focus on C2, uh, you know, two catcher leagues uh, of the deeper variety. Furman has a 286 average, 345 OBP, 506 slug with four homers and 85 plate appearances. Is Freddie Furman somebody that is worth a, a, a C2 option here, the 28-year-old backup in KC? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess he could be worth a, a backup option. Uh, and the hard part is when Sal Perez is healthy, Sal Perez is going to catch. And like, and I know they've been using Perez as the DH, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit more trying to protect him in his advanced age, but you know, they're going to go to Sal as often as they can behind the plate. So, I How just old do you think Sal Perez is, by the way? Just real quick. He's probably like 31. He's 33. I, I don't disagree okay. with your assessment. I felt the same. I didn't bat an eye when you said that, but then I looked and I was like, he's only 33. Yeah. But yeah. he's put a lot of mileage on him. So yeah. It's an and, old yeah, 30, 33. 33 as a catcher usually means out of yeah. the league. So the 33 fact that he's with, doing what he's doing. Well, is, it's kind of an, um, it's an interesting thing. It's like, for me, I feel like catchers can either flame out early or last forever and nothing in between, right? Like if you hit a certain threshold, yeah. you, know, you get to like your seventh Jeff, season. Jeff Mathis you're playing, is still playing. Yeah, somewhere you're, you're playing that. 20 years. Uh, if you can't get through your first four or five seasons back there, then you're out of the it, mm-hmm. There's no scientific evidence to this. I'm just saying that's what it feels like to me. But I agree with you on, on Perez. Um he feels m- much older than he I is. Bet you, not that ancient. I bet you if we ran the numbers on that, I think you'd be right, actually. Because, like, you've got your, like, Caratini's, your mm-hmm. Gomes, uh, your Jeff Mathis's of the world. Because once a, once you prove you can be 
usable behind the plate, or good not usable, but good behind the plate yes. uh, defensively. Martin Maldonado. There's always going to be a team that wants like a defense. You, you, Stallings, right? Austin Hedges, like these guys, like because they're so good behind the plate, pe- the teams don't care that they can't hit. You don't have to do a damn thing. Yeah, Austin Hedges about to hit a ten-year career with a fifty-six OPS plus. And nobody's saying a damn thing negative yeah. about it. Because he, he's going to be around for another decade. He's 30, yeah. Austin Hedges is. And we will see him, I think, if his body holds up for another decade at least as a backup. So, yeah, de- that's definitely the vibe I've always gotten. Uh, and I do think Perez Jeff Mathis be- played 16 years. And, his, and, and what, what was his OPS plus? Let's WRC see. plus? Uh, his WRC plus for his career was 45. <laughs> And he was known as a god because he was so great behind the dish. And, you know, the era really fit him with the with Framie becoming such a big deal. And, you know, personal catchers. Uh, once you kind of latch on with somebody in the in the right organization, that can really help too. But yeah, Mathis was such a G. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Furman is just a deeper league C2 right now because he really just plays a couple times a week. So we'll move him off to the side. Uh, again, you said Diaz, Bailey, Alvarez, Davis for your four here with the catchers. Let's talk about maybe cutting some guys. Let's focus on one catcher formats and see if you're cutting these guys um, for all four. Or and then if it's not for all four of them, then you can name who it is. But are you cutting Gabriel Moreno? Yes. For all four? Yes. Okay, so it, it assume all four unless Justin specifies otherwise, if you say yes. What about Shea Langoliers, who does have power, but little else? Yes. Okay, this one pains me, and I will point out that he is the 10th-ranked catcher, but that might speak to how bad the established catchers have been with these new guys coming in. But my boy Tyler Stevenson is sitting there at 10. You cutting him for anybody, any of these guys in a one-catcher format? Yes. All of them, yeah. That breaks my heart. I, I, I don't necessarily think the hard, they're wrong. It just the hard my part, heart. The hard part with Stevenson is, like, one of the – you know, main, you know, attractions to him this draft season was the fact that he could DH and play first. Those days are over now because yeah, too much the, talent. The, the talent is, and there's more coming. Like, so like, yep. like him, you know, playing regularly outside of catching uh, is not going to happen. And so like, even if he does get hot, like it's going to be, you know, playing four days a week. And, and the power hasn't been there either. And I really thought yeah. he'd take a power step. And we still haven't seen it. You know, we have seen um, at least more homers from this guy. I don't know if it's been a power step. Uh, Key Bear Ruiz, yeah, it has been a little bit of a power jump up to a 146 ISO from 109 last year. He does have nine homers. But what about him, Key Bear Ruiz with Washington? You cutting him for the four guys? Uh, I am not cutting him for anybody on this For list. any of them? I, I wrote an article maybe a month ago or something like that talking about He'd be buying low on him. He is just an elite hitter. Um, okay. And my average then. I'm getting 236 on the average. Right yeah, now. he he's he's been getting unlucky all season long, but it's, oh, it's coming. 227. Yeah, yeah, he's okay. been getting okay. super super unlucky all season long. Um, I mean, he's got he's got elite contact ability for anybody, not just for a catcher, not just for, for catcher, yeah, anybody. Um, and now he's starting to get the ball out of the yard a little bit. I, I think 
he's going to be one of those guys that people look at the end of the year and go, oh, shit, there was a breakout, and we didn't even see it. It could be hidden if Kiba Ruiz has a huge second half because he has an 88 OPS plus right now, yeah. and it might be obscured by by the fact that he's just put up like a half season of in Washington where kind of like, garbage, you know, yeah, yeah, where he's already kind of hidden. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm definitely I'm definitely not running to cut Kiber based on I didn't realize his BABIP was in the tank because that's yeah. the thing I, I look at first. I'm like, well, let me see some batting average behind the dish with the added pop right now. That'd be great. Could be a nice second half for for Ruiz, so good call out there. But yeah, there's catchers out there. Don't just stick with the status quo um, because it's rare that there's catching talent aplenty out there. This is a unique type of season. I don't think you just have to sit there and take uh, what you drafted. One last guy because it hasn't been great for him. I like it's been fine, but it's been kind of a, a downward drop of OPS every month for Cal Raleigh. He started at 801, then to 724, then to 594. So the bottom line, 11 homers with a 226 average and a sub 300 OBP. What about Cal Raleigh versus the the four pack of Alvarez, Davis, Diaz, Bailey? Um I think I am probably not dropping Raleigh for most of these guys unless the, I need the thing that those guys do better than him. So if I need batting Davis average, I need stolen bases, yeah, then I would. I, like, I would batting average. I wouldn't drop Alvarez. I wouldn't or I wouldn't pick up you Alvarez. For Alvarez. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't pick up Alvarez for him. No, that's uh, a one to one and I in terms of what they do and give me the guy who has more uh experience. In just a better lineup around him. I know Seattle hasn't played Which like it. It feels crazy yet, to say but, because the Mets suck so bad. Yeah, so But you're I, right. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't pick up Furman for him, but uh, I can understand picking up Bailey. If you need batting average, picking up Bailey, or if you need stolen bases, picking up Henry Davis. I might like, go D- Diaz too. I might. For the short one catcher for the short because I'm I'm probably streaming catcher fair. at that point anyway. Um but yeah. It's not a must. It's more of a decision with Raleigh. You can let yeah. your team kind of dictate that. So just, again, be aware that there's catchers out there. Uh, this is a very rare condition that we're in to see so many catchers available. Don't just hold the random guys that you took thinking, like, I just got to ride it out with these guys. There might be options out there for you. Let's do a little three up, three down. Before we do, before we yes. move on, can I just, like, talk about, like, the amazingness of Jeff Mathis' career just a little bit yes, longer. Yes, ab- absolutely. You know what, by the way, I'm glad you're doing this because uh, you guys know I work uh, over at Out of the Park Baseball and uh, we do content sets for our perfect team game. And I did one with Foolish Baseball, a YouTube content creator. His name's mm-hmm. Bailey, awesome guy. He's a big Jeff Mathis guy. And one of the cards we created was a souped up Jeff Mathis with like the sickest catcher defense ever. So I'm glad Jeff Mathis is getting some shine here these uh, these last two weeks in the baseball world because we did that last week with Bailey. And so we put a lot of people on to how great Jeff Mathis was. So why don't you talk to us a bit about his insane career? 16-year career, right? He never had a season in which his OBP got to 300. His highest OBP was in his first five seasons. He had a 288 on base percentage. Um, oh my god, 288 was his high. Was his high? <laughs> it was in 2009. He retired in 2021. Um, like that's wild. The insanity of this career. His batting average. 
He's a career 194 hitter with 3,015 plate appearances. He only had one season in which he hit over 218. Didn't need to, baby, because he was dominant behind the dish. <laughs> 3.7 war accumulated, um, according to our, our war, which takes framing into account. You know, four war spread out over, over 16 years is not great. Uh, admittedly, but it is positive war despite that offense. So mm -hmm. that tells you just how good the defense was for Jeff Mathis. Uh, I'm when they surprised make robo umps, like it's going to eliminate a lot of Jeff Mathis types. Yeah, um, and I'm still for it. But me too. There, me there too. should be a Jeff Mathis award. Like there should, should be. Yeah, I mean there should be an award for like the crappiest catcher in baseball that just played every day because his defense was so good. It's Austin Hedges right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's got to it's be it's got to be Hedges is, is the guy to carry the mantle. Now, Will, when we go to RoboUmps, and I say when, not if. Yeah, it, it's it going to happen, yeah. Will the Jeff Mathis type become a similar terrible hitting version, but just with a rocket arm? Since maybe. you still need arm, especially with steals going. The Gary so maybe, Sanchez. So exactly, right, yeah, you know, yeah. or Gary Sanchez at his worst, like when he's hitting, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, from that standpoint, don't worry about framing. But you have a huge arm. That player might become back in vogue, um, and, and become the new Jeff Mathis type. But we'll see when when, when Robo Umps come through. When my uh, eldest child was uh, playing baseball. Um, they only did one year, and they, they just didn't really like it. Dad, this game sucked. <laughs> yeah, they really wanted to be the catcher. Um, and so, like, one game, they got all the equipment on, got behind the plate, put their glove up, and closed their eyes, and then just got pelted over it. Oh, and, I mean, it's it's eight, nine-year-olds playing baseball. Like, those innings <laughs> yeah. take forever. forever. Like, and they just get pelted over and like in the mask in the chest in the arm and like and just like stood there or you know crouched there like a statue i came over me and like dad i don't like catcher well because you didn't do any of the catching part of catcher oh, um, okay you want those are the, once we get robo arms those are the type of catchers we will get yeah absolutely I, I i totally agree there um they got to be able to hit or have a big arm but they won't have to be able yep. to frame anymore i caught um i did i used to not be i wasn't always six five i didn't come out of the womb uh, as, as a string bean baby so i was like normal height so it's not I'm, i wasn't joe mauer back there i certainly wasn't joe mauer at the dish i was very jeff mathesy that's how i compare my high school career and i'm like not a lot of high school teams wanted a jeff mathis uh somebody who could handle the pitching staff catch pretty well but couldn't hit for shit that was definitely me um but yeah appreciate jeff mathis love the career that he had and search jeff mathis foolish baseball and just watch all foolish baseball youtube videos they're excellent let's do three up three down let's talk spencer steer guy that we were definitely pumping up coming into the year really really like this guy i've been trying to get tons of pieces of cincinnati oh by the way i don't think i ever i did it on twitter but i didn't do my my will myers mia culpa on the pod yeah i took a fat f and l on that one um he's terrible and i understand why they why they cut him i respect them for dfaing him too right like you can kind of hold those guys sometimes and not get over the fact that it's like it's just not working they had too much talent so they moved on i will say though 
I was in on several other Cincinnati guys, including Mr. Steer. And he's got five homers and eight steals in the last 30 days, giving him 12 and nine, uh, respectively, on the season with a 279 average. Steer's been even better than I thought, and I, I really, really liked him. Is Steer in all formats must-start option right now? I mean, I think especially with him being so hot and, uh, and I mean, he's playing in one of the best lineups in baseball. You know, he kind of bounces around the lineup, and I think that's going to kind of continue. And I think once he slows down a little bit, he'll probably end if up. he slows down. I mean, I think he's, he's <laughs> not going to be this hot. Yes, um, he is. So, but I mean, there's a lot to really like in the profile. He's making league average zone contact. He doesn't swing outside the zone very much. Um, I'd almost love to see him get a little bit more aggressive inside the zone because he's, you know, got like a 64% uh, Z swing. Um, I, you know, if he bumped that up like closer to 70, like, I mean, I think he could really be good. Um, that being said, like, ah. You gotta love a guy in Cincinnati in that lineup right now. It's one of the yep. best, you know, most fun lineups in in baseball right now. It's the best park to hit in uh, in baseball right now. So, yeah, I, I think he is a must, you know, pick up in all formats. Like, I, I is he available in leagues? He's at eighty five percent at Yahoo. So, you know, there's going to be some shallower league availability, and I understand that not a lot of uh, shallow leagues use like CI, the mm -hmm. corner infielder. So that does undercut, you know, putting in some guys like this, but he's first third in outfield, Spencer Steer is. So there's avenues to get him in. I think he's too good to be, even be on the 15% of wires. We don't know how many of those are just the dead leagues, uh, but either way, there might be some wiggle room. More to the point, since he's probably not super available for those of those people listening, uh, is trade potential and i would yeah. be open to trading for him even though justin's probably right that he's not going to keep a 25 20 pace that's what his homer and steel pace is right now i think he'll keep a good enough pace that you can be open to trading for him especially with that positional flexibility if you need a little uh first third outfield swiss army knife spencer steer can be your guy and i love that he's contributing some speed along with the pop so he's been excellent let's talk michael harris a uh, guy that we were definitely down on coming into the year i don't think we saw him being as bad as he was early on though nobody did even if you were his biggest detractor and he's coming around he's actually hitting 434 with five homers and four steals in his last 20 games and we're seeing more of the michael harris that people drafted in the second round you add it all up with his early work and he's right there at league average 100 ops plus with a 750 ops total seven homers nine steals this is more in line with what i thought though um it's still not second round viable though so even if he's his current day 750 OPS the rest of the way with good power speed. That's useful. You're certainly not cutting him anymore the way uh, he was getting cut for a while there. But do you believe that this is just a hot streak for Harris or can he be kind of not as good as we, not as good as he was drafted second round, but not worst player in the world, which is what he was early on. Michael Harris rest of the season. What do you think? I think Michael Harris is showing you the exact same profile is last year right now. So if you believe in what he's what he did last year, I think I mean he's gonna be great the rest of the way. No, he's gonna have these ups and downs uh, that we saw, right? Like he's still swinging outside the zone over forty percent of the time. You know he's making league average zone contact, but this is a guy that does not have a good understanding of the strike zone, the power, their speed. He's in a good lineup, but he's batting ninth now, and I don't think he's moving up really anytime soon. No. Uh, 
So, like, yeah, I mean, you ride the hot streaks. This is one of those guys in Roto, like, you you know, you if you draft, you put him in your lineup and just close your eyes. Just and wait like, for the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, wait till the end of the year and see those numbers. But in head-to-head leagues, like, he is so volatile that he's super frustrating to, to roster. Um, this is exactly who I thought Michael Harris was going to be this season is why I wouldn't draft him where he was going, but why I was willing to pick him up when people when started dropping yep. him. Uh, Too much fantasy juice not to be yeah. interested once people cut him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can add add up the OPS totals from his April and May, and they're barely above what he's doing in June. He had a 1033 added OPS, which is not a, not a thing, of course, but it tells you how bad the numbers were, 499 and 534 in April and May for Michael Harris, 1027 here in June so far. So, um, you know, he's been on each end. Do you think he'll live more in this middle lane of like a uh, mid to high 700s OPS with the power and speed? Or will it continue to be volatile in your estimation? I think it's going to continue to be volatile. I mean, you know, this is a guy who... Because like of the said, plate skills you mentioned. Sorry. Yeah, the, the plate skills are just so unreliable, you know. Yep. Um, and, you know, kind of like Jared Kelnick, like pitchers are going to adjust to him. And I think he's one of those guys that just takes a really long time to adjust back. Uh, and when you don't have a good understanding of the strike zone, you're going to have these kind of, you know, ups and downs. Like, I, you know, I don't... You know, the the strikeout rate, I think it's going to stick around, like, you know, 20%. Like, he's only got, like, an 11% swinging strike rate, so 20 22%. Yep. Uh, but there'll be a lot of weak contact. No real uh, walks for yeah. Michael Harris either, which can be so helpful with guys like him because you get those supplemental chances on base to steal. But when mm-hmm. he only has a 6% mark and he's – 318 OBP that definitely hurts but um yeah I agree you got to kind of set it and forget it with him and Roto the rest of the way Michael Harris but um especially in shallower head-to-heads you might still find some times where you're sitting him if he goes in the tank again but right now start him everywhere don't worry about it and uh, let's see how long he can stay by the way I root for Michael Harris we were down on him because we didn't want to pay second round pick I'm not anti him in general I just uh I I think there's a really good I think he's a really good chance he's a nice buy low, you know, mm-hmm. even Roto. In head-to-head, he's never going to be the guy that I target just because his volatility. Yeah, for sure. That can definitely be scary. Honestly, if you missed out on Harris when he was available, which wasn't a ton of leagues, by the way. We're not pretending that he was available in every every league format when he was playing terribly, but he was getting cut some spots. But if you missed out on getting him and you want a power speed guy on a good team, why don't you turn to Leone Tavares, who just in is only 48% rostered at Yahoo. He's got seven homers and three steals in June. This is another guy that we talked up a lot, I mean, over the years, to be honest, not just this year. We've been longtime Leody heads, which we, we talked about some age earlier with regards to Sal Perez. On the other end, Leody's only 24, and I feel like I've been talking him up for a decade uh, because I liked him as a prospect, and we've had these, these first three false starts in the majors, but it looks like he's finally breaking out. Nine homers, eight steals on the year, seven and three here in June. He's surging. He's available. Are you picking up Leody Tavares in the shallower formats, even like the three outfielder ones? He's a top 100 overall player this year. I mean... I'll take the fat L on Will Myers as well, but I what I will counter you with is, man, I was we, all we over Leone Tavares yeah. this year. Um, one of the, you know one of the bright spots for me has, has been this guy. Um, 
And on top of like his offensive skill set being really, really interesting. I mean, 94th percentile in XBA, uh, 80th percentile in max exit velocity, 94th percentile in sprint speed. He, the, one of the main reasons I was so in on him was he's such an excellent defender, like such an excellent defender that um, he's going to play every day even when he struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's almost very Michael Harris ish, right? Like one of the reasons Michael Harris like gets to continue to play. I mean, the contract helps too, but it's because Harris is a really, really good defender. And so people, you know, they're going to go, well, maybe we'll get the bottom line because you're struggling, but you're going to get to play. And Tavares is kind of the same way, uh, in that regard. Um, and, but the difference with, Tavares is like the plate skills are really, really good, right? Like he swings outside of the zone less than 30% of the time. He's making 87% zone contact. Swing strike rate is at 10%. A lot of what he is doing is legitimate. You know, will there be some regression? You know, I think there's going to be, but I don't think it's going to be huge. Like I don't think he's falling off the map and turning back into the Leody Tavares of old. I think this is a version of what Leody Tavares is going to be moving forward. Um, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, me too. And Leody being on the, on an excellent team. You mentioned the Michael Harris comps. That's perfect because of where he's batting and everything on a great team, but much cheaper cost. And so it's like and a bar, much better like a bar underlying skills. Yes, yes. Uh, a more trustworthy, I think, going forward. And you brought up that volatility for head-to-head with Harris with Tavares's plate skills, maybe he can avoid some of that, yeah. you know, crazy volatility there. So again, 48% at Yahoo, I think even in three outfielder leagues, you need to get yourself some Leody Tavares, at least on your bench, uh, because mm-hmm. this dude can be a monster. And I love getting anything I can get in the Texans lineup right now. Yep. Uh, three down, Miguel Vargas hitting just 139 in the last 30 days. It has really not gone all that well we did uh james outman in three down i think we did it with miguel vargas actually i'm sorry i think i'm repeating vargas here that's my fault um because i don't he's been so bad it's okay (laughs) i don't think i tagged him because i I, you know i checked uh, maybe i did and i just totally forgot to check it but either way he's getting three downed again no i didn't so that that's why i missed it but uh, yeah we did talk about him and outman together but now we're isolating just vargas are you holding him in any in any format right now I mean, he's hitting I mean, 199 dynasty, for the year. Well, yeah, dynasty, yeah. I redraft any format um, where he's not cuttable, like 15-team. Is it too crazy to cut Miguel Vargas in a 15-teamer right now? I know it always depends who you're getting, but like... A 15-team on-base percentage league, I get holding him. Because, I mean, he does walk in He does tell him at 12%. Yeah, 302 OBP, which isn't great on its face, but relative to a 199 average is still pretty good for Vargas. But what about an average? What about a standard a standard format? No, I I don't think he's going to be good. Like I I think he's going to be better than this and I think he's going to be a pretty good real life player. Mhm. But the power's just not there. Like it's And I, I just is it going to be? Like I, I, don't, I don't think so. I I think I think maybe we missed on him. Um, you know, good zone contact, uh, doesn't swing outside the zone, uh, you know, swing strike rate is 8%. Like these are really, really good contact numbers, but I think he is one of those guys that is kind of a fence scraper type of power guy. And, 
Um, I think even though he puts the ball in the air a decent amount, like a lot of it is like stopping at the warning track. Um, yeah. And so like, I, this is a bummer. It's been tough this is a big for miss for me. Well, I'm here's here. the thing too. You say we might be wrong on him and we, and we might, but in the short term, right? You're not, are you fully out on Vargas like going forward? Yeah. Oh, Oh, no potential for development. I, I, I stopped short of that. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say that Vargas can't get better. I mean, it's just too early. But I hear you on the fence scraping power. He does have seven homers, but you're talking about three for five on the bases, so he's not giving supplemental value there really, which is something that we did kind of expect because he's had double digit steals coming up mm -hmm. uh, through the minors. Miguel Vargas has, and if the average isn't there, which it was really supposed to be average with some speed and power, like just kind of a do everything. And, and get on base, be on the Dodgers, and, so he can score runs and ribbies too. I do Go think ahead. like he's going. Like I said, I think he's going to be a good MLB player. Like I, like I don't like the hit tool is legitimately way better than this. I, I think the batting average is not going to be a problem. But like, okay. he was a top ten prospect in in fantasy, um, and I think in baseball for uh, for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like his career trajectory is like Ty France. That's, that's not case. that's not what you expected to see from Miguel Vargas. So like was he was he gassed up because he's a Dodger? No, I just think it's some I mean, I think we're going to have fewer of these misses as we start to see, you know, more and more stat cast data coming out of True. you know, the minor league parks. But I sure. just you know, I think the I think people looked at the body, you know, kind of the frame, and went powers developing at some point. Like there's yeah. gonna be something here, and it just never did. And I think we kind of ignored the fact that it never did. And um, and like I said, this is a big miss for me because I, I was pretty high on him coming into the season and in for dynasty leagues. But I think this is like a sell low in dynasty that I would do. Really. Wow. Um, Again, I, we we diverge here. I'm not that out on Vargas yet. I'm not ready to to even punish you and say like you're so wrong either. Um, I still think I I think there's still some hope here. It's 23, right? We're still talking about you know a career 333 uh, MLB plate appearances with the 50 he had last year. I I could still see a path forward. I I don't, I don't want to bury him too much just yet. But uh, do you have him in any dynasty leagues? Should your dynasty league mates be uh, getting him from you on a discount? I I do have him in a couple dynasty leagues. Go so. go ask people. Are, people for a are going Vargas. People are gonna like come to me and be if like, if he charges you, you full know. price, you play this podcast and say, sir, excuse me. And here, here's the thing: like after our last pod, where where I talked about like trying to make that trade for um. Uh, who uh, was Alex Manoa? Oh, like, the Manoa deal. The yeah, message yeah, yeah. board went crazy. Um, so shout out to to uh, all uh, the guys and gals. That's awesome. That, uh, Di uh, Dynasty um, League of Champions. So uh, yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure. Oh no, so I don't have Vargas in that league. But okay, um, I do have I do have Vargas in in uh, at least one other Dynasty league. Go knocking on the door, folks. You're getting a bargain Vargas right now. I. I think I probably would give you a pretty good deal um, on, on Vargas. I, okay. I'm not not happy with you. You, you, uh, you have cooled on on your guy here. Again, I'm staying a little bit more bought in. Um, I do think there are some cuts this year in redrafts. The one thing I will say, I did mention, you know, would you cut him in 15s, Miguel Vargas? 
you could, but then it, the immediate question is for who? And I'm looking at just my one-off league. It's just one league. But in the main event, 15-teamer, like, I don't see anybody. I, I, you taking Joey Wendell? No. He's triple eligible. He is hitting well lately, I'm just saying. Uh, Nick Madrigal? No. Samad Taylor? No. Elvis Andrews? No. So you're holding Miguel Vargas in a 15-teamer. Yeah. Uh, I'll, do, I'll do some first base because he is first base, third, uh, first base, second base eligible. But again, um, Ryan O'Hearn? That's close. Jake I think if you, if you need the power. Jake Bowers? I guess if you need the power, yeah. Yeah. Hold Vargas I, in 15. I think, I think 12, I'm holding, yeah. 12s and lower, you can find a Especially because he's dual eligible, right? At dual that quarter eligible. middle, we talk about yep. it all the time. Like, exactly. It is really, really valuable, especially in those deeper leagues. So, um, in, I, I will say, he's got the one ability that I always want in a prospect, in a young player, in, in an older player, too. Uh, and that is ability to hit within the zone. Right, like high zone contact rate, and so if he does, if if I was like betting like that, he could turn it around. Like he's a guy I would kind of think about betting on a little bit, just because the hit tool is there. I just I do feel like there is like there's stay, never stay, gonna be power. stay a little bit more bought in. I don't. I'm trying to protect you from yourself here. Don't quit your guy too hard here. I, I, no, I'm hedging only a little bit just because. These are the types of guys I typically want to bet on. And maybe this is like mm-hmm. I was so bought in that I'm now like, like screw you. Exactly. Like Your mentality. Yeah. And that's um, what I'm trying but, to prevent yeah. you from, you know, what is it? Throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. type of deal. It's 283 plate appearances this year. It's still not enough to go too crazy to the negative. Um, continuing three down, Brent Rooker. I mean, we all saw this coming, right? This was the easiest call in the universe, but he has four homers. And a 193 average since May 1st. The bottom line, though, is still a 796 OPS and 13 homers. And I wonder if that anchoring effect from the from the hot April is keeping him more rostered than he should be. Is there any format where you're holding Brent Rooker at this point? No. And any mixed league format, I should say. No. He's 79% rostered in the main. Yeah, he shouldn't be. Should that be closer to like his start percentage, which is thirty six percent? Yeah, um, I mean, here's the thing: in in April he hit three eighty one versus right handed pitching. In May he's hit one sixty, and in June he's hit two hundred. Because he's been a short side platoon guy. This is who Brett Rooker is. This like, is Brent yeah. Rooker again. This was an easy call. I'm not even flexing. Yeah. Okay, like uh, nobody struggled to make this call. But again, but I got a lot of questions about like why. Aren't you higher on Brent Rooker? Brent Rooker is a god. Like, um, no, this is like this was like a Babip infused hot streak, getting a lot of playing time because uh, the A's had nobody else, um, and like now he sucks. So he doesn't even play every day either anymore. Yeah, that's the thing too. You can't hit 180 versus you know right-handed pitching. Yeah, the uh, vast majority of pitchers, which are right-handers. No, I agree. Like I said, um, the reason I brought him up not not to point out like oh cut him duh, but the the anchoring effect of a hot April and what that Mm -hmm. can do and misguide you if you're looking at composite numbers because you're like oh Brent Rooker's still doing fine, dude. 796, 13 homers. Okay, I'll leave him in. Nope. 
move on. You got, and you might, the toughest part is if you didn't even get a lot of the hotness in April. So you picked him up and you've only collected the shit from him. Mm -hmm. That's always a bummer. Um, this guy is looking too much like Brent Rooker, Giancarlo Stanton, with his uh, three homers and 149 average since returning from the IL. Is he still a, a redraft mixed league hold? Ooh, um, I mean, I think he is, but okay. maybe... by the way, that's, tw that's 20 games, by the way, just real quick, uh, in, in June that he's been back for, just to give the sample. Maybe not in tens, um, and some twelves. Like I think you I think don't need power. 12s. I understand dropping him, but the hard part is most people need power. Like Always. power is so hard to find right now, uh, which is so weird. Just how quickly our game changes, uh, you know, one year to the next. Um, but well, it's yeah. you need more though too, right? Like when power's up, you need more to compete. Mm -hmm. So that's why it can be tough. Um, Stanton, I think, is still an easy hold in, in deeper mixers, by the way, like 15-teamer, just because of what he can do. And still pretty fringe, you know, wor worthy of some holds in 12s. But I think in 10s, yeah. you can really move away from Stanton because you know, it's going to be somebody on the wire. Unless you're, like, power-starved, I think in 12s you probably should. Here's the thing. this like The reason I think all of us, or so many of us, missed on will myers is the same reason why so many of us missed on john carlos stanton and uh you know i mean i think most people were more concerned about his health right he's had a, you know a really difficult time staying healthy but he has not had a zone contact above 80 percent. and remember 85 percent is a round league average since 2018 Wow, and this is Stanton has, we're talking about. Jesus. He's pretty much never had, or he, I mean, his highest zone contact is 83%, and that was in 2012. Now, back then, that was around league average. Okay. And so with his prodigious power, like, that made a lot of sense. Like, that, mm -hmm. okay, hey, you're getting league average contact from a guy with prodigious power. But now we're talking about a guy 78% this year, 74.7% last year, 70 uh 9.7 in 2021 like this is a guy that can't hit a baseball anymore is and that like a problem yeah that's a huge problem oh. especially when he's also not staying on the field so yeah like you don't even get extended hot streaks because he doesn't get extended time on the field i think stan is drop i think you should drop him in a 12 team league unless you are like really starved for power I think that's totally fair. He's 77% rostered at Yahoo. That feels a yeah. way too high. Like, again, team needs might drive this, but Leody Tavares should be higher than Giancarlo Stanton for me in terms of roster rate. Uh, so, yeah, that's three up, three down. Let's move over to some Week 15 two-star guys that are of interest to me uh, that might be worth picking up in, depending on the particular format. So let's start with JP France. Put up another solid start yesterday. You know, I'm having trouble getting a full read on this guy. You know, I do the SP charts, so I kind of check in on him every five days, and I'm like, hey, another quality outing, another another good start. This was seven scoreless at St. Louis. We know St. Louis is, uh, isn't anything to write home about, but just another solid strong outing out of jp france he has a 313 era 121 whip um only 44 k's in 60 innings and 20 20 walks with that so the skills aren't off the charts but he keeps getting it done 
is there enough here for a Colorado Seattle two step both at home to have you interested in JP France? And if so, I mean, you always want Colorado, especially early on on a road trip. Um, you know, after being home for a little while, and then, uh, like we said, like Seattle should be much better than they are, but they haven't played like it. So, uh, yeah, I think he is. I mean, he's not a must start necessarily, but like I think he is right below a must start. It's a, like a should start, um, and uh, I'll be writing him up today uh, for my for my two star article, uh, and he will definitely be high up on that list. Yeah, and France is uh, is pick up a bull, which uh, not a word, but you know he's, yep. he's out there, he's available. So go out and get him. Should hey, be a word. Kyle Hendricks. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not the biggest fan, but he's putting up some numbers right now, and he's got a two step next week at Milwaukee and at the Yankees. Um, two venues that can be tough, but the two lineups that, that are featured there are not particularly tough, especially with Judge out in New York. And Kyle Gibson, Kyle Gibson, excuse me, Kyle Hendricks now has a 2.81 ERA and 0.96 WHIP in his seven starts this year. Now the Ks are even lower than you know previous iterations of Kyle Hendricks. We, he's known as a low K guy. This is next level low with a 13 negative. Negative strikeouts. Yeah, like it's unbelievable. It's a 13% K rate, 4.8 per nine for those that prefer per nines. So that part is definitely tough, and that will make him a tougher sell in some uh, shallower formats. But with the two-step coming up and Kyle Hendricks looking a lot more like previous Kyle Hendricks, are you back in at all? And if so, what league formats? I mean, I guess... uh, You know, no, I'm just not. Like, is (laughs) it... The down, like the downside, does not. I almost like, got you. Yeah, it does. Just like there's just so few strikeouts that, I mean, like the downside is just too disastrous for for the upside. Like it just no, I'm not. I'm not playing this game. Um, I would much rather be wrong and see him on somebody else's team than have him be on mine. Like I just. It's not a good team, you know. I'm, I'm with that 100 percent on college, yeah, right? I just somebody gets lucky with him, or, you know. Gets I, some this this two start, like I don't necessarily have a problem with. No, you, you know, kind of generally speaking, because we're talking about uh, literally the 29th and 30th worst offenses over the last 30 days. These have been these two offenses have been atrocious. Um, but I, you know what. If there's a hit party on Kyle Hendricks in both these games, I'm not going to be surprised. Like, yeah, that's the thing. There's too, with a the ball razor play, thin margin. Yeah, that often the the margin was already so small when mm-hmm. he was a seven K per nine, aka like a 19, 20 percent K rate. You're down to 13 percent and 4.8. Yeah, it is scary. So be careful. 15s, he's already rostered. Cool. 12s, I can see starting him, but it really is a standard streamer to me where I'm, I'm probably cutting him after. Maybe a team streamer, depending on your situation, but I'm just so nervous about Kyle Hendricks. Uh, what about He's rookie? got a 519 Sierra. There you go. And that's because that's because of that K rate being... And, by the way, he hasn't had a requisite walk rate drop either. It's just normal Kyle Hendricks walk rate. Which is good. He's always a good, but it's not like he's doing a two percent walk rate to go with the thirteen percent K rate. So it's really tough out there. I'm probably more interested in this guy, especially for the bulk of the season remaining. Gavin Williams in Cleveland, Atlanta and KC both at home. The rookie starter uh, getting a, a two step here. How do you feel about Gavin Williams and what he's done so far and what he looks like for this two step? He was so so impressive 
in, in that last start. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that is what people were hoping for. Uh, and he, I think he needed that in order to stay in the rotation and he did it. So he, like they, Cleveland sent down their only lefty uh, in Logan Allen, which surprised me. Like I, they, I really, here's the was, thing. I, I knew they were going to keep Quantrill though. They just, he's done yeah, they so said, much. They, they said that he's going like, uh, I mean, Logan Allen be back. So Logan Allen will be Logan back, Allen. and he does have a 144 whip. Yeah. So, like, the 347 ERA, I was surprised, too, that Allen got sent out, but Williams saved himself. The, the tough part is, you look at Quantrill and Savali, and you'd be like, well, one of them should go, you know, to keep the rookies in. Mm-hmm. But neither of them play up in the bullpen, right? Yeah. Those are both, like, finesse guys that you're better off getting five, six innings at, at a time out of, and that's why I don't think either of them really flourish in the bullpen. So, anyway, Gavin Williams, he's sticking around. He gets a two-step. Are you in on him after the big start against Casey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think there is an argument for him to be a top 40 starter. Okay. Uh, I'm not putting him there yet, um, but uh, and I, I may try to work on some starting pitcher ranks during the All-Star break. Uh, depends on uh, how much I can get away from the family during my own vacation. Um, do not tweet that at Danielle, all those of you who have been tweeting at Danielle. Love you, good at best. Absolutely uh, tell Danielle that. Do not. Um, if, if she gets one tweet, I'm going to have to leave my laptop at home. Um, so, uh, <laughs> But uh, that being said, uh, yeah, I, I like Gavin Williams a lot. I, you know, I do think there are going to be some control issues, and he's going to have – uh, you know, a bunch of walks in some outings, but ultimately, I think you know, really good fastball, really good secondary stuff. Uh, Cleveland knows how to turn out pitchers, and I think this is going to be a really good one. Yep, uh, it's it's really hard not to be excited about Cleveland pitchers again. Even Logan Allen, with him getting cut, if people move on, uh, go pick him up and stash where you can because these these young uh, these young Cleveland pitchers are just so exciting. All right, what about? Tariq Skubal returning from IL. They said his next start will be in the majors. So he's on rehab right now. Uh, not even available in NFBC because nobody drafted him. So he hasn't uh, debuted yet in the year. But other leagues where you can pick up IL guys even before they debut, he's out there. He has 14 and two-thirds innings of rehab work with 20 strikeouts, three walks, and a 307 ERA, .82 whip. So Skubal's looking pretty nice. Are you trying to jump in before this Oakland-Toronto two-step, both at home, or are you playing the wait-and-see game with Tariq Skubal? Yeah, no, I'm not starting him. Um, he had, I mean, he went the deepest he had into a game, a minor league rehab game uh, in his most recent one. It was four innings. Um, he faced a total of 18 batters. Uh, so I, you just can't qualify for a win like that. Um, and I know it's Oakland, which is like AAA. Um so but, get yeah. a win with Detroit anyway. Yeah. Win. I, I I would I would go for, here's the thing. I'm definitely picking him up. I don't yeah, I think you should wait. pick him up. I don't want to wait to watch him possibly outshine uh expectations here, right? I hear you with the with the performance or, or the volume so far, because it's sixty eight pitches, I think, is what he had in that game too, mm-hmm. right? So to that end I get it. But if you wait and he puts up five strong with eight strikeouts against Oakland and then handles himself against Toronto, say it's like four and two-thirds, three runs, but six strikeouts. So not a great outing, but like decent. Then he's going to be very expensive to pick up. So pick up Scooble where you can, I think, and stash. You don't have to start. That said, I'm not fully out on it. I think in a deeper format, I'm in. 12s, it's more of a toss-up. 
Because Oakland, dude, like you said, that's another triple A start. And if yeah, they but, I mean, him if, to 80 if, pitches. Like he could give up four in three innings versus Toronto. Like, true. I mean, and no, you're right. Oakland can get to people sometimes. Shut like, up. We, Stop we, it. We've definitely Stop seen it. it. Stop it. Especially when it's against the Tigers. I mean, come on. Every team can score runs sometimes. You're, you Don't throw that out there, though, as like a, well, maybe maybe Oakland's going to get it. You know Oakland is an automatic stream. Don't even don't even pretend that. Not anyway, from a guy who can't go five innings. Who says he can't, though? What because do you, think you 68, hang on, 68 pitches last time. Where, where do you think... Where do you think he goes from there? 68 pitches for Scooble last time, like... 75. You think that that few? Nah, nah, I think he's open to 80. You got it, like, that's not a stair step to go from 68. Like, he went from 52 to 68. All right, board bet. From 31 Over to 52. Under 77 and a half pitches thrown in his next start. Or in, in his first, in his, in, in, in his, in a start versus Oakland. Okay. We'll make sure that it's versus Oakland. I mean, I, I, I do I do want to say over, but I if he's getting crushed, say obviously over. that's going to be say under. Over. I am going to say over. There we go. But I'm talking if he does well, because you don't you don't think he gets there even if he does well. I don't. So this is why it's he, so easy to make the bet. Of course, because and that's why I would never put any like real stakes behind it without more stipulations. Our board is huge stakes. If he gets. Beat up, sure. Scooble will not make seventy-seven pitches, but if he's pitching well, I do think he gets to gets to eighty-something pitches. So yeah, I'm even starting him in some fifteens and twelves with Tariq Scooble. Julio Tehran, the regression monster, came uh, and took a big chunk out of his numbers last time out. We knew it was coming. You're just kind of hoping it's more of a progressive thing as opposed to a one fell swoop situation. And it was more of the one fell swoop. Seven earned on seven hits against uh, the Mets. He did go five and two-thirds, though, so it's not like it was like a two-inning seven earned. Uh, he gets the Cubs and Cincinnati both at home where he had on Julio Tehran. I imagine it's only deep league that you were even considering him, but would you start him in Tehran in a 15-teamer? Um, man, that Cincinnati start is just kind of scaring the Lingering there, isn't it? And it's not like, you know, like, oh, Cincinnati went to Baltimore. But Baltimore protects you. It's still Milwaukee. Like, Yep. It's a little scary. I I mean, think 15s, you're probably rolling with it. I think 12s are very iffy, and I think 10s are a no. Okay, say, say that again. I'm sorry. In a 15-team league, I think you're probably rolling with it. Okay. In a 12, I think it is very oh, iffy. I think it really depends on your options. And I think okay. at 10, that's a no. No go. Got it. Okay, cool. I think that's all totally fair uh, with regards to Julio Tehran. Just because he can really sting you, right? If, if, if it goes mm-hmm. wrong, it's, it's really, really rough, too. And a lot of times with two steps, when you're making these decisions, you're trying to avoid the, the flame out. Uh, just as much as you are trying to get good outings, you don't want an eight earned run bomb on your face uh last one is clark schmidt baltimore and chicago the cubs uh both at home he's been pitching better lately too i think uh with regards to the anchoring effect i talked about earlier with luke uh who was that with brent rooker there's some opposite of that going with clark schmidt where he was bad early on and that might be weighing down his numbers he has a 437 era 142 whip on the year um, but if you don't kind of game log him a little bit and see that over his last eight starts, he hasn't allowed more than three earned in any of them uh, with some decent numbers there, including, you know, in this, the two starts against Boston, a uh, start against Texas, a uh, Baltimore start at Cincinnati.
Is that enough to start Clark Schmidt, Baltimore, and the Cubs? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, if you look at these last eight starts, he's been really, really good. Um, you know, the walks have been down. The last start was his only start uh, in which he's walked more than two batters. Uh, he's only allowed three home runs, and two of them was, uh, you know, multi-homer, or one of them was a multi-homer game. Uh, I really like what Clark Schmidt's been doing. Um I think there will be inconsistencies. He's a young pitcher, but I think this is the guy people were drafting like way too high at the end of draft <laughs> season. Um, did and, something happen in spring that really turned people on? Like, did he have a big spring out? I remember his stock like kind of was an overnight riser. Well, Montas got hurt. That's right. And so it cleared the path for sure. It cleared the path for him. And every, there's always been like this, like, you know, hard on in the industry for Clark Schmidt. Like it's um, a pretty interesting pitcher. I think he is a very interesting pitcher, but not like, like not as interesting not interesting enough to supplant anybody in that rotation until this year where the rotation has been completely decimated with Rodon going down in spring training, Montas going down. Like, and now it's like, Oh, now he has to be in the rotation. He's now, now we can like, see this you know this love for him kind of you know blossom uh mm. and it was ugly early on and i picked him up in a few leagues after he got dropped and i've been very happy with him i think he will continue to be very good i do like i said think there will be inconsistencies because you know sometimes he struggles with command sometimes he struggles with uh control he can get away with things like he has in a couple starts when it's one or the other but there there's going to be games where he loses both and all of a sudden you know, he walks three guys and gives up two home runs. Six hits, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, there, there's, you know, my six-run, you know, three and two-third inning outing. Any concern about Clark Schmidt's strikeouts being down? Because that was actually one of the aspects of his game that was going all right early on when, when the ratios were in the tank. But now here in June, when he's surging with the 304 ERA in five starts, he only has 14 Ks and 26 and two-thirds. Do you think that's a blip? Um, him just kind of working through things as he's figuring everything out for Clark Schmidt. What, what do you what do you think about the the lowered Ks and what do they look like going forward? I mean, yeah, it's not a super impressive swinging strike rate. So like, if, if you think the strikeouts are going to like be rebounding, I don't think so. He gives up a lot of zone contact. He relies on his defense um, to help him out of jams. You know, the defense isn't bad, so. Like, it's not like Stanton's running out in the outfield very often. So I'm not, like, super worried about it, but is, there is a lot of balls in play, and that's not necessarily the best part for that. True. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe he's not technically the guy people were looking for because we thought we were going to get more strikeouts. So I think it's a that's a good point, and maybe that makes him less viable in a 10. But, like, I think he'd be rostered in, in most 12s, if not all of them. Yeah, no, I, I I tend to agree with that uh, with regards to Clark Schmidt. And there is still the K upside too, right? If everything's clicking, then he is bringing Ks along with everything else that's been going well for him. So, yeah, those there's, just, just there's also been a velocity dip. So, like, at the beginning of the season, he was throwing, you know, 94, 95. And you look at kind of like these last eight starts, started off at 93, and it's a lot closer to 92 more and more. Do we think days. that that might be purposeful? to rein in some it could of the be. wildness and lack of command. I don't know for sure, right? Because we see velo declines as generally worrisome for obvious reasons. Plus, he's also moving away from the four-seamer and more into the sinker-cutter 
situation. So I wonder if that's part of it as well. It also for could be Smith. this is a guy who's dealt with a ton of injuries. Also, also yeah, got to bring. So that he's up. not very built up. Like he's just not throwing a ton of innings. Like this is the most amount of innings he's really ever thrown in at any level in mm-hmm. a single season. So he may just be tired out too. That's that's also a worthy point. Maybe he needs the All Star break like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. But uh, Baltimore and the Cubs for Clark Schmidt, worthy pickup. Uh, but just keep monitoring him. He's more of a team streamer as opposed to any sort of set it and forget it type of guy. Justin, we got a holiday weekend coming up here. You mentioned that you're going on vacation. When does that happen? And is there going to be a Sunday pod? Uh, there will be a Sunday pod this week, but uh, there will not be the one the the week the weekend before the All Star break. So. Uh, I will be in the middle of nowhere with very, very limited limited internet. So that's the ninth that there won't be yes. one. The second there will be one, and then you'll be gone that following week, the tenth through whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'll come back uh, the following weekend. So we should have one. The we should have one uh, the sixteenth, but uh, not one hundred percent sure on that. It'll it really depend okay. on uh, how I'm feeling. And I'll have to figure things out for the pod that week during the yeah. All Star break, and I will either find some guests or you'll just have to hear me talk to myself which some of y'all like some of y'all hate and i respect that anyway justin great talking with you i hope you have a wonderful weekend and i will talk to you on monday take it easy